Welcome to Purifying Truths with A Star. Hope everybody is having a wonderful day. With us today, we have Salvador March. Mr. Sal is from Scotland, the kingdom of five, and he is going to inpour into us of his adversities, how he's overcome them, and what he's doing now and plans to do next. For those of you that don't know Sal, he is um, a retired acupuncture. Um, he did some massage therapy, but there was a switch in his life that he's going to tell us about. And now Salvador is a healer. Um, welcome to Purifying Truth, Salvador. Thank you, Amelia. It's so good to have you on. We're going to jump right in. Um, tell us a little bit about your history. I know um, you grew up differently than we have, most of us have here in the state. So share with us how you grew up and, and what perspective you had growing up and how it affects you now, please. Absolutely. Hi, all. Um, my mother put me in... Uh, an orphanage at the age of three. And from the age of three to the age of 11, I was raised first of all by nuns and then by priests. Um, by the time I went back to live with my mother, I had first of all lost the intimacy from my mother. And then the nun who looked after me, I lost her as a second mum. And there was another woman that used to be there in the background for me since the age of three. And I lost her as well. So really a lot of grief to do with women, lost a lot of loss. And my heart just condensed. Uh -huh. And so I went through many years um, with cut off really, uh, almost uh, like one of these people who has no emotion. I was just so switched off from life. Uh -huh. Anyway, by the time I was in my in my 20s, I was desperate to find meaning in life. And that led me to a whole lot of spiritual groups. And I researched a whole lot of them and I got involved in a few of them. A lot of mistakes, a lot of good things, a lot of bad things. And then I became an acupuncturist. And uh, I did that for nearly 30 years. And then I reached the point when I realized I wasn't good enough. And funnily enough, I, 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 just, I just remade connection with someone who uh, would sort of come to see, she'd come to see me five years back and she had left me a private message in Messenger and I never looked at it. Mm. And I saw it, the, I saw it the other day and I grew back to her wrote back to her and said, look, I'm really sorry I missed you, but I've moved, et cetera, et cetera. And she said to me, oh, you know, you really helped me with my legs. And that was a surprise to me, I'll be honest. <laughs> so she was very grateful, but uh, that isn't my experience. My experience wasn't that I was good. My experience was that I wasn't good at all, that some people I did help, but many people I didn't. And I think we probably remember our failures more than our successes. True. And, and anyway, I, I stopped. So I stopped doing it. But it seems to me, Sal, that you have 
Um, growing up, you had some loss. I understand that it can be devastating, but also that you had the desire to help others. Even though you didn't feel that you were helping, you still had that innate desire to help. So what happened after you got the message and you realized that, you know, you are making a difference? Well, of course, it wasn't quite like that, Amelia. Oh. What happened was that I, well, I, when I was young, um, I, I didn't, I was totally self-centered and self-focused. I did not, I did not begin my healing journey trying to help others. I began my healing journey trying to help myself. Ah. It was me. It was me I was trying to help. And in the process of trying to help me, I was learning all, all manner of modalities on how to help other people. Mm. But I was still very much, it was still very much about me. And helping other people was mainly about earning a living. So, I, but that gradually changed as I got older. Well, I appreciate you being so transparent. Tell us how did it change as you got older when you started, I guess, not to um, be so concerned about just you? You were then interested in helping others also? Well, that actually happened quite gradually because it took a long time to heal my heart. And I didn't fully succeed, to be honest, which is in part why I retired because I wasn't quite good enough. My heart began to open up when I met my last wife, which we've been together 14 years now. And ah. that is truly when I began to love another person. And every night before going to sleep, I would focus on her and I would focus on all the pleasure that I would get from her, being with her, my intimacy with her. And, and my, my it's, it's a strange way of speaking, but my capacity to love actually grew out of my deliberately focusing every night on her before going to sleep, I would focus on everything that was lovely and beautiful about her. And she is a beautiful woman and she's got a, a heart as big as a house and I've got a big house. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, so I retired, you see. So I retired uh, because I wasn't good enough. Uh, but like the road to Damascus, something happened. So explain, you said several times, I wasn't good enough. Help us to understand what does that mean? Because we practice, you know, um, self-esteem and, you know, self-confidence, but you keep saying you wasn't good enough. What does that mean? It means that whenever I wanted to help another person, I invariably came from my ego. Ah. And in fairness... Where else could I come from? I didn't have any other source of knowledge apart from my own perceptions. And my heart was a little bit shut off, so I wasn't really putting myself in their shoes that much. And so all I had was theories, theories on how to help people from everything I've learned over many, many years. So sometimes I hated lucky. Many times I didn't. And that was my problem, that I really... I was honest enough with myself to realize I wasn't good enough. And you know what? I didn't need to work, so I retired. And I thought, right, I'll have the easy life. I'll uh -huh. have meals, go out, enjoy my retirement. Uh -huh. But it wasn't to be. It wasn't to be. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what was to be? Well, I was 
I got very busy doing our houses and building and a couple of years went by and I was looking in the mirror, gazing at myself. And the more deeply I looked into myself, the more depressed I was aware that I, I was feeling, that I was really, really sad. And every time I looked, I just cried. I looked into my eyes and I cried. Now, it's important to realize that by now, I actually liked myself and I'd been, I worked on loving myself for many, many years and to a great extent I had succeeded. I had succeeded in feeling really good about who I am. However, there was something that wasn't quite right. And what, what, what wasn't quite right was the realization as I gazed in the mirror that I was a healer, that that was my vocation, that that is why I'm in this world. And in retiring, I had thrown out the baby with the bathwater. Understood. Understood. Well, you talk a little bit about um, retirement, and it seems as though that you didn't stay retired very long. Um, what did you begin doing that you well, found fulfillment in? Well, it, it took about three years from my retirement when I realized that I needed to become, a, that I was a healer. I just didn't have the tools necessary, you know, 30 odd years. And I've done acupuncture, psychotherapy, spiritual healing, um, meditational massage, cranial psychotherapy, gestalt psychotherapy. I've done the lot. Ah, and, I still wasn't, and I still wasn't good enough, okay? Now, that is worth bearing in mind that I'd done so much and I wasn't good enough. And I, and, I, and I wasn't lying. I knew I wasn't good enough. And what was holding me back was that I had never forgiven my mother. Ah. And I had never forgiven the priests who abused me when I was in the, uh, in the orphanage. The, they abused me not sexually but physically. They, they beat me. Uh -huh. You know, to beat an eight-year-old boy, it's, it's, it's not nice. And, to say the least. And there, there I was, 60-odd years old, and I hadn't forgiven that. And I needed to forgive. You know, the thing about being a human being is that we only succeed as human beings when we forgive other people for their, you know, for, for their behavior. We, we may not condone their behavior, um, but without forgiving, we, we are, we're corrupted internally. The, the not forgiving keeps us in a place which is not healthy. Uh -huh. You know, I think that's very important um, that you could recognize even that you hadn't forgiven those from your past. Certainly, we all have to work on forgiveness, forgiveness. And I love how you even said how it was a journey. You know, it wasn't a microwave overnight process um, that you begin to switch and begin to love yourself. And so as you were doing this, um, you said that you found out or you realized that you were a healer. And even now, you're helping people heal from traumas. Is the first step to true healing forgiveness, according to you? Absolutely. Please explain why. Sure. Um, when we're young, 
we experience traumas. Most of us have some sort of trauma with our parents, with our teachers, with siblings. Somewhere along the line, we experience something that we don't have the emotional ability to deal with at the time. So the emotion gets suppressed and it festers inside us and it, it colors our perception, it colors our reality, it colors the way that we perceive other people. Every time I went to Spain to see my mother, I was angry with her. Mm. I was in my 50s. I was in my 50s, and every time I went to see her, I was angry with her um, because that resentment had never left me. Now, other people experience that in different ways with, um, with their parents. Uh, I had one client many years ago who came to me, and she was forever fussing about her mother. And her problem was that she wanted her mother to love her. And she was uh, denying the love of her family. And she was giving so much of her time to her mother to look after her mother, hoping her mother would love her. Well, the mother couldn't love her. She never loved her when she was young. She wasn't going to start loving her now. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And so we all, I mean, we all have different tissues. Some people are to do with anger. Some people are to do with grief. Some people are to do with envy. It could be whatever. But unless we deal with those traumas, they hold us back from being the best that we could be. That we could be. Uh huh. So once we deal with the traumas, once we have learned to forgive those in our past, um, tell me how that ties into healing. But before you before you do that, I want to touch a little bit yeah. because I know we had a previous conversation about um, healing, even things from past like generational curses and such sure sure. so how what do we do how do we do that when the person's no longer here when we don't get that feedback to say i forgive you um how do we move on and deal with that please understood the the issue is never to do with other people. It's always within ourselves because Uh I am the one who carries the anger. Uh I carry the anger with me through the years. Uh The other person, whether it's a brother, a sister, a parent, is is a projection of my internal being. So what what we need to do is we need to project that person that we imagine within ourselves externally and we engage in conversation and there's many ways we engage in conversation and we begin, to, we begin to honestly share. The way I did it was I spent two solid weeks writing. I wrote and I wrote about my childhood because I, as I grew up, I never looked backwards in my childhood. The childhood was something to one side and I, I had very low memories of my childhood. But when I sat down, I was 62 and a half, 63, I sat down and I did, for two weeks I just wrote and I wrote and I wrote everything that I could remember of my childhood. And the more I wrote, the more I remembered. And it was, you know, I suddenly I, I could piece my whole childhood together. I could remember all the way to being three years old and what happened, which before I didn't. And in the process, I began to understand that my mother, she herself had been damaged. She was doing the best that she could but her heart had been closed because her mother, her own mother had died when she was young. 
And so I began to see the world from her perspective. And as a result, forgiveness came very easily because uh -huh. now I was seeing the world from her perspective rather than mine. Yeah, I feel that that is something we all have to take time to just step back and do, whether it's, you know, that person that's on the other side of the counter that, um, you know, when we're checking out trying to purchase something or whether it's that person that's cutting us off in traffic. Always, always it's so important to see the other person's perspective. And I love how you not Absolutely. just did it for a random stranger. But, you know, we have to do it for those who we love, too. We're so quick to point the finger. You did this to me and you. But, you know, yes, it was wrong. Not not excusing it, but being able to heal. You have to be able to see their side because hurting people yeah. hurt people. And, you know, as you were talking a little bit, you talked about um, ego and soul. Could you explain what those things mean to you? Absolutely. Um. So <laughs> I, I should perhaps at this point add that I am in connection with what I called my higher soul. Uh -huh. And I am in daily communication with, and this occurred as a result of my forgiveness. By me being able to forgive fully my mother and the priests from my childhood, I was now open to receiving information from beyond myself, from beyond my ego. So what is my ego? My ego is a biological mechanistic part of my system. Ego is based in fear. Um, all animals have fear as a means of navigating the world. It's called survival. Uh -huh. And human beings, human beings have fear which gets activated hormonally and it releases all manner of hormones which allow us to fight or flight, depending. They call uh -huh. it the fight flight syndrome. And, and so we are all at the mercy of hormones. However, that's only part of the story because the other part of the story is the indoctrination that we imbibe when, you're, when we're young to as a means of navigating the world also mentally. So, for example, um, your parent says to you, don't do this, don't do that, but you do it. Then you get a knuckle, ruffle or whatever, something. Somehow you, you, you're you told in no uncertain terms that that wasn't acceptable to your parent. Uh -huh. So you begin to learn to suppress your emotional input, your, your emotional expression. Uh -huh. And we all do it. You know, you're in school, the teacher said, sit still, pay attention, don't talk. You can only go when I tell you to. Uh, so gradually it gets instilled in us to conform and to behave in ways which is acceptable to others. Now, you could argue that there's a lot of value in that, and I will not disagree. However, um, it can also become, for example, when we, when we treat children without acknowledging that they have their own will and they have their own spirit and they have their own way of being in the world, when we impose on children without giving them reasons, why do I have to do that? Because I tell you to, for example. That is a disservice to children. We, they have to conform because they're... Their survival depends on it. 
And that, as we grow up, becomes part of our indoctrination, which then we ourselves become our own critical parent to the emotions within us, part of our ego. So the ego has two parts. It's got the mental and the emotional. Uh-huh. So with that being said, um, the way that you forgave, I'm assuming allowed you to um, find healing. And I guess such as hurting people, hurt people, healing people, heal people. Would that be fair? Um, yeah, pretty much, I think. Okay. So tell us about this healing. We've been kind of touching it um, throughout our conversation here, but what actually do you do, Sal? Okay. Okay. Um, well, um, I now, so I learned in my search to become a good healer, I went back up there to learn even more. And what I learned was applied kinesiology, which uses muscle testing. Uh-huh. Muscle testing is you give me your arm, and I say, I'm going to push it downwards. And uh, I ask a question. And if it goes down, it may mean a yes. Or if it doesn't go down, it means a no, for example. And the interesting thing is that when we do that with people, we can't get messages come through. There is like the subconscious suddenly loses power on the muscle. And the muscle doesn't work for just for, for a couple of seconds. And this is very noticeable when it's done with a skilled individual. So a skilled person will, will ask you a question and they'll, they'll, they'll move your arm and you, you get information and you can use that information. So I use that information to, um, to do cranial, to, uh, to ask questions about people's diet, whether they needed vitamins or minerals. Uh, whether there was some sort of a pelvic problem, whether they had some sort of trauma, emotional trauma, whether I needed to do acupuncture, which points do I go for? So pretty much it became a method of communication with the client. Uh And that that is the way most people do it. But I then went a step further. Continue, please. Tell us. What did you do? (laughs) We're on the cliff here. (laughs) Okay, this is where it gets tricky, guys. (laughs) So so what I began to realize was that although I was trained to say, well, I'm engaging with the intelligence within, I reasoned there is no intelligence within ego. Ego is just a machine. Uh Uh-huh. So I am engaging with something deeper. There's something else here. And what became interesting was that I didn't need to ask questions anymore. I could just think it in my head. I could visualize it. I could feel it. I could sense it. And the person would respond in kind. And I began to realize that I was engaging with the soul of the person. Now, the soul, in the you see, this is where... Uh, Unlike Christianity, where you say you have a soul, my premise is that the soul in people is unconscious. Only when we we become awake in love, only when our heart opens up, does, does the soul begin to be conscious within ourselves. And 
So as I was asking the questions, I realized I was, I was communicating with the soul, although the soul was unconscious uh, by and large. And I then began to say, well, I could, I could do the muscle testing on myself. And I began to do muscle testing with my, with my hands. And I began to ask a whole lot of questions. And these questions I was asking were coming true. Uh, it was helping me to heal myself. And I was then, so it took a lot of practice, but gradually what I realized was that I was now communicating not with my immediate soul, but I was communicating with a higher soul. Now you might say, well, hold on a minute, don't we just have one soul? Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, that is the standard. Uh, because if you if you believe that you only have one lifetime, if you're a Christian and you believe in the one lifetime, then you know the journey is from here to heaven or purgatory or hell, if you're unlucky. Um, but my perception as it's been growing and developing and I've been communicating with my my higher self is that in fact we've got that we ourselves we are fragments of a soul which in turn is a fragment of a higher soul and it is this higher soul that I, that I am in communication with through muscle testing but also now it talks with me and I get images and the more the more I develop the connection, the stronger it is. And for those of you who are concerned, there is nothing but love within my higher soul. My higher soul is just pure love. There's uh -huh. nothing but love. Uh -huh. So the way that you're describing, um, many may say, um, what is this? What is this that Sal is talking about? You know, he's a little on edge here. You know, I don't see this in between Genesis and Revelation, so I don't want to hear it. This yeah. must be witchcraft. Is that what you're practicing, some sort of trickery or witchery? Or when you said, as the Christians believe, are you a Christian? Are you not a Christian? Tell me how those things jargon and connect, because you said you okay. grew up Catholic. Yeah. I was I was raised a Catholic, uh -huh. but you know my experience of Catholicism was not nice. Uh -huh. They were supposed to be they were supposed to be uh, the, the the nuns were preaching Catholicism without the Catholic. I mean, you know, I was an acolyte and all of that. But what I got from the nuns was love. What I got from the priests was hate. And they themselves were damaged beings. And it took me a while to actually find the love for the priest, which I did. But I still acknowledge the fact that they were damaged, severely damaged beings who had not found love in their own hearts. They, they read a lot of books. They read a, a lot of catechism. But, you know, just because you read a book, that doesn't bring love into your heart. Uh -huh. Love into our hearts comes from forgiveness. All the books do and I'm sorry to say this, but whether it is Catholicism or the Bhagavad Gita or the Quran or the Bible, all those books do is they point the way. They're not the way. They point the way. The way is through our hearts. The books, they're a map. They're a roadmap. But there are many ways to find your way to God. There are, and, you know, this is why there's so many religions and 
there are so many people that find their way their, their way to God, and there's so many people that fail in spite of reading a whole lot of religious texts. Because at the end of the day, it all comes down to the simplicity of the heart. We love because we forgive. Uh -huh. You know, it doesn't get any simpler than that. And for me, what happened was that I, I began to realize by the time I was 63, the more I developed my connection with soul, the more I began to explore the whole idea of God and what God meant. And the more I began to realize that God is everything, God is everywhere, that there is nothing but God, that every atom, every molecule, everything in the whole of the universe and beyond is God, nothing but God. In me, there is there's no room for witchcraft or any, any sort of negative arts because that is not God, although everything is part of God. Even, you know, even the negatives are part of God. We cannot separate ourselves from God. It's not possible. Uh -huh. However, the, the road to God, I, I don't know whether it would be a good simile that within the Christian religion, they've got all these angels and archangels, etc., um, and I think that is a simile. It's not necessarily the actual truth. And you could argue that my connection with my higher self is a simile. But the way that my higher self has been sharing and explaining to me, there is there are levels within levels within levels. And although God permeates all the levels of whole, the whole of creation, and bear in mind that by definition God has to be outside, beyond creation. God is still nevertheless, because creation is his creation, we're still in touch with God throughout, because if, if everything is the creation of God, then God is everywhere, right? You, can't get, you cannot separate yourself from God. Uh -huh. And so, uh, however, within creation itself, there are levels. And so my higher self is part of that level of moving upwards towards God. The difference between my perception and the Christian is that my, my ego is nothing. The soul within me is everything, but my soul is experiencing. And when I die, my ego dies. My soul does not die because he was never in the body to begin with per se. It is experiencing through the body, but it's not of the body. I don't know if I'm getting a bit too complicated. I you I'm following you. I think I think we're able to pick up what you're putting down, Sal. And I love the way that you break it down and make it easy to understand. Um, so you're a healer, and you know you've taught us about ego and soul. Tell us for those that are hurting, that for those who mm. are not loving themselves or haven't forgiven okay. others or even forgiven themselves. What what advice do you have for them? Um, well, I'm sorry, guys. I don't give advice, but I will share <laughs> oh. information. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, no, it's the the problem is that it's always experience. So first of all, we need to appreciate that self love is everything. Self love is loving our egos because we're all weak, we're all imperfect, we're all human. You know, in, Christian, in Christianity, they say man is born of sin. Now, I don't ascribe to sin, but I do ascribe to the weakness of our physicality 
not in terms of sexual deviation or anything like that, but simply because we are filled with fear, we're filled with anger, we're filled with negative emotions that we accumulated in our childhood, and they get in the way of love. And so for me, what's important is to find love for our ego because our egos are damaged. My personality was developed as I grew up. Well, that's not going to disappear. It's not going to go away. But I don't have to behave in the world according to my personality. But for that to happen, I have to move beyond my personality. I have to move out of ego into my heart. From my heart, I can look down at my personality and I acknowledge my weaknesses. So I don't need to go to a priest to forgive me. My heart will forgive me. I forgive my intransigence. I forgive my weaknesses. I develop love through self-forgiveness. That is the essence. Uh-huh. Understood. Definitely your message of love and forgiving others and forgiving self is something that is refreshing and that we need for such a time as this. Um, Sal, please tell us, how can the audience get in touch with you and, you know, learn more about you and maybe even converse with you personally? Um, well, I'm, I'm in Facebook. Um, as yeah, can I be? I can be found uh, as Salvador March. I think <laughs> I'm not that great with Facebook, but let me just have a quick, a quick uh, look at my page. Uh, and I'm called Salvador, <laughs> so Salvador is one way to find me. Uh, Salvador March, Salvador March. Uh-huh. So it says Salvador March, healing facilitator using acupuncture, applied kinesiology and psychic communication with higher self. <laughs> All um, right. So, so that's one way to, to find me. Another one is through my YouTube videos. Uh, again, if, uh, if one goes to YouTube and type in Salvador March, I will come up. I don't have a huge amount, but some of the videos I have, they're to do with sharing um, the information that has, has been coming through me from my higher self. Um, and a lot of other videos, they show me doing healing with people. And I, I, I sort of, I display my talents in that way. I've also got a, a website called salmarch.co.uk. Um, so there's, there's a whole variety to find me. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, hopefully, um, you know, we'll be in con contact with each other and, you know, others will contact you as they see fit. But tell us, what are you doing next? I know you got the book, you got the YouTube, um, <laughs> you know, what what are you doing next? Because I thought you were calming okay. down, retiring, but it seems like you're revved up. I, I did. What happened was that after I discovered that I, I, I am a healer and, you know, there's no retirement for me. The more I communicated with Charlie, the more he began to give me information that I need to share with other people. And this is to do with the Earth's history and what's happened and what's happening and what will happen. And also that as a healer, I am, I am <laughs> dare I say, that I'm a messenger. I don't know if this is a little bit. Okay, I... I, I I, I now know, and of course, this is all sort of cookie territory, so I, you know, it's a little bit loopy. Um, I, according to Charlie, my higher self, uh, 
I am one of many healers, sorry, not I am one of many people who as messengers have incarnated at this time to help the world through what's, through what's going on. And my job, my function is as a healer. And so Charlie has been helping me to write books. Uh, I'm just finishing the first one, which has a whole lot of information and ways of helping oneself. And I've got a second one, which is a much higher level and more complex, which is to do with healing. If you accept the context of karma, then it's to healing all this trauma all the way to childhood and beyond. And uh, it involves a whole lot of um, acupuncture points and there's, there's, there's just a whole lot of information which will be coming out in the second book. And it's all, it's all, it all, it's all designed with one purpose in mind, to help people to forgive themselves, to love themselves, and to raise their level of consciousness because consciousness is not static. Yeah, the, the more traumatized we are, the lower our level of consciousness. The more we love ourselves, the more in touch we are with love, the higher our vibration, the higher our, our level of consciousness. And it's really, really important at this moment in, in our time um, for more and more people to get in touch, forgive themselves, love themselves, and become tuning forks of love so that their vibration reverberates and begins to affect other people. Because, you know, we all affect each other. We don't need to be in touch with each other to affect each other. Mm -hmm. So you have another book coming out. Um, are you on, are you selling on Amazon or how can we support you by purchasing your books? Okay. Well, um, the book I'm hoping to have out within two months. And what I will do is I will sort of by being in touch with my website or with my YouTube video uh, or through Facebook, then what I will do is that when I put the book out, on the very first week that it goes out, I will be offering it for free wow. for one week. So, I mean, the idea here is to disseminate information. Uh -huh. So the, uh, the e-book will be out for free. Uh, I will then produce a hardback and, that will have to be paid for, otherwise it would cost me a lot of money. But the ebook, I will offer it for free for one week, for one week, so that people can go in there and fill their boots with information. If you know, if, if they're called that way, if what I say resonates in any way, then that's the way forward. Wonderful, wonderful. It has been such a pleasure having you on Purifying Truths. Sal, you have enlightened us, showed us a different perspective, and reminded us that love and forgiveness is the key today. It's the key every day, Amelia. Yes, every day, yes. You are right, indeed, indeed. Well, like I said, thank you so much for joining Purifying Truths. My pleasure, my pleasure. Thank you, one and all, for listening. Yes. You take care. You too. All right. Bye-bye for now. And thank you for tuning in to Purifying Truths with 8 Star. Tune in every Saturday at 9 and noon for exciting new guests who illuminate the world in the various facets of life. You can connect with 8 Star at Facets of a Star on Facebook and Instagram. Also at facetsofastar.com. 
shine bright.